And friend, now you might not have a disease that's killing your body. But all of us live in a world that's pretty sick. Pretty sick with selfishness, with sin, with hostility, with separation from each other. And in friend, it takes us toll. It's killing many of the things in our life. It's killing us relationally. It's killing us emotionally. It's, it's killing us spiritually. And friend, that's the bad news. <laughs> but the good news, and the only reason we're here today, is that the Son of God came to die for us, and He was raised. And friend, He longs to raise you and me from the dead things in our life so that we truly come alive. Now, the book of Acts, that's what we've been going through, using as our basis. The book of Acts, it's a, the historical account of the early Christians. Now, 500 of these early Christians, they saw the risen Jesus with their own eyes. And they were willing to die for it. They knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus had come alive, <laughs> and they came alive too. These early, fully alive, on-fire Christians became the church. Now, unfortunately, when we hear the word church, we think of a building with stuffy people and boring sermons. Well, I know you do. But anyway, uh, that's what we usually think. We, we usually think of the church as a building. The church is not a building. The church is people. It's people who are following Jesus as their Savior and Lord. God says, God's Word says that the church, that is Christ followers, are two very important, wonderful things. One, they're the family of God. You see, sinners who've been forgiven and pardoned for their sin. That's who God says are the family of God. We, that we actually become his children when we embrace his son. So when we accept Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, God pardons us. Now, who has the power to pardon people in the United States? The president of the United States. And uh, the pres this president has just pardoned some. Uh, a lot of them will pardon a lot of people right as soon as they go, or right before they go out of office. But the president of the United States has that authority. The president of the United States pardons people, but he doesn't make them a member of their family. God does. The President of the United States pardons people, but he doesn't move them into the White House and give them room to board for the rest of their lives. One day, we're going to move into God's house in heaven if we follow his son there. That's God's promise to you. And friend, if you if accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he offers you a pardon. God's word says that Christ's followers are the family of God. Secondly, God's word says that Christ's followers are the body of Christ. Now, a human body has a lot of different parts. 
thousands, okay? Hands, feet, eyes, ears, whatever. And every one of those parts of the body have a different function. But they're all important. And in fact, they're all necessary too. The body of Christ has many different kinds of people. But they're all important and they're all necessary. We all have an important role in the body. Now again, I want you to think back to biology class. Remember learning about the different systems of the body, you know, the skeletal system, the neurological system, the reproductive system, and uh, as many as 11, 12 different human systems. You remember that, right? Okay. All right. I had a PowerPoint slide. Oh, there it is. How about that? You remember all that from biology, right? Okay, so I won't have to test you. All right? Now, for a human body to be healthy, all these systems need to be working. And they all need to be working together. And if one of the systems breaks down, they all start to break down and die, right? In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, describe the church, the early church, and they were fully alive. And it describes four systems, okay, in the body of Christ that we need to take care of if we want to be fully alive. Now, what the first Christians did is what we need to do to come alive. To come alive, we need to, the first thing is worship. Acts 2.42 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, all of them, and, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Friends, what is worship? Now, if you ask Americans, what's worship? I think the first thing that would pop into the minds of most Americans is music or musical instruments or maybe stained glass or, or lights or padded pews or comfy chairs, all right? Now I want to ask you a question. How many of those things did the first Christians have? How many of those things did the first Christians have? None of them. They didn't have any of those things. But they were fully alive because they had Jesus and they had each other. They were fully alive because they had Christ and they had the body of Christ. And, and friend, that's the essence of worship. Loving God and loving others. You know, and, and most people think that for great worship, you have to have great music, and you have to have a great preacher. No, what we really have to have is a great Savior, and we have one. That's worship. Our focus not on ourselves and, and what's going on and what we as humans can do. It is on Jesus Christ. It's on Christ, and it's on the body, the body of Christ. Secondly, these verses tell us that they were alive because they had all. All of what? They had all of the things that God was doing. The things that they asked God to do and he was doing. 
they had awe because they prayed and they expected God to work and to do amazing things. That's what they did when they got ready for church. You know, and I think that when we get ready for church, what's the primary thing we're thinking about? What am I going to wear? That's not what they thought about. You know what they thought about? They thought, man, I'm meeting with the body of Christ. What's God going to do today? They expected him. They were in awe of God. And friend, when you're in awe of God, God can do great things. They were fully alive because they had God's truth, these verses tell us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see, they didn't have Bibles. When they gathered the apostles who had heard Jesus teach, they relay, they, 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 they reminded people the, the words of Jesus when he was fully among them. These apostles had heard Jesus taught, and the apostles taught it to others, and then in a few years they wrote it down so that you and I would have it. And friend, it's God's truth, and God's truth is never going to pass away. And they were devoted to it. They were passionate about hearing from God, and they were passionate about talking with each other about God's Word. And let's be honest, we talk more about TV and Facebook and movies and social media and sports than God's Word. Maybe that's why we've lost the all. And please think about this, God's Word, it's truth. But we spend far more time listening to media that's full of messages that are untrue. And friend, if you want to come alive spiritually and emotionally and relationally, Devote yourself to truth, God's truth, God's word. And God tells us, as his own children, to meet, to gather, to assemble together on the Lord's day, to hear God's word, and to talk about God's word with each other. Now, a lot of people think, but I don't need that. Well, God says we do. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I can read the Bible myself, or, or I know all about God right now. No, friend, there are things about God that you will never learn or discover for yourself. You'll hear them from someone else. You'll hear them from a teacher. You'll hear them in a small group. You'll hear them from a brother or sister in Christ. That's the way we learn things. You didn't learn everything by yourself. You were taught, or you learned it from others, important people in your life. And so during the week, we as followers, we, we read God's Word. You know, we read out of the Bible that we have, or we use you version, or whatever it might be, or we, have, we talk about it with our family. But on the Lord's Day, we come together to hear and then to talk about it together. And the God who created us wants us to know what's true and what isn't. That's why He gave us His Word, to come alive. We need to worship. We need to turn our attention, our focus to God and God's truth, God's word in our lives. That's worship. Second, to come alive, we need to fellowship, these verses tell us. Verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Prayer, and to supper. Now, what's fellowship? Which you notice something. The world sometimes uses that word, fellowship, and uh, but Christians use it more often. But usually when Christians talk about when they talk about fellowship, they're talking about, you know, a potluck supper. 
You know, talking about a social event where you eat, right? The word is actually, there's a definite article in front of the word fellowship. It's not fellowship, it's the fellowship. It's talking about the special relationship that Christians have with each other. It's from the old English word, fellowshipmen. These were men who were on a ship who sailed across oceans in a wooden vessel with no means of communication with the world that they had left. And you see, if those fellowshipmen, if each one of them did not do their job, they would all die. And that's the word. That's fellowship. That we need each other desperately. Fellowship is doing the Jesus life together. It's following Jesus with our fellow Christians. And, you know, we, we Americans, we love independence. We have Independence Day, all right? And it's great to live in an independent country, absolutely. But it's terrible if we want to be independent of God and independent of each other. Have you ever realized that God created you to be dependent? You ever realize that as a human, you were totally helpless? You would have died if someone hadn't fed you. If someone hadn't held you. If someone hadn't stopped you from killing yourself. God designed us to be dependent on him and on the body of Christ. <laughs> when I'm driving uh, and Don is in the car. She constantly says, watch, Ron. Watch. See that car up there? Okay. And there is, I know I'm a terrible driver, okay, but uh, she does not have good depth perception because she had a detached retina. She was very young. So her depth perception is not bad. You know, she'll say, watch that car up there. And I'm going, oh, the one that's 500 yards away? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch that one. Okay. But she constantly says that, all right? Now, sometimes I get irritated. I'm, I'm just a sinner just like you, okay? But you know what? I'm really thankful. Because you know what? There have been some times when she said, watch, Ron, and it may have saved our lives. Because she saw a car I didn't. There was something in my blind spot but she pointed it out. Friend, God will put other Christians in your life who will see your blind spots, your spiritual blind spots, and save your life. Christians who don't think they need the fellowship are deceiving themselves to come alive. We need the fellowship of fellow Christ followers. Fellowship is sharing meals. I like this one. Now, it's sharing the Lord's Supper. It specifically says that. And see, at the Last Supper, Jesus told his followers to keep doing this, to eat and drink and to do it in remembrance of me, he said. And they did. And friend, man, when they, had, when they celebrated the Lord's Supper, they, they saw in their mind's eye Jesus dying on that cross for them. They saw that. And they didn't eat and drink dispassionately or unmoved. 
And I hope we worship the Son of God like that when we eat the Lord's Supper. But verse 46 goes on and says, They worshiped together at the temple every day, not just once a day, once a week. They did every day. But they also met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And there in their homes, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You know, there's something special about, you know, eating with someone, sharing meals in homes, or sharing meals at, you know, Valentino's or Millie's or Taco Bell. That's probably the first time that Taco Bell has been put in the same sentence as Valentino's and Millie's. I just, I I don't know. Okay. But when they met together, what do you think they talked about? They talked about Jesus. They really did. They were passionate. They were devoted. They encouraged each other. And fellowship is that, encouraging and building up as we focus on Christ. Fellowship is praying with each other, those verses tell us. And yeah, we should pray alone. Jesus said, go into your closet and pray. But God's Word tells us that we should, if we really want to come alive, we should pray with others. Do you have a prayer partner? You pray with your wife, husband, pray with your family. You're in a small group and you pray. Oh, friend, that we come alive. When we share our relationship with the Lord God and talk to our Heavenly Father together, it builds us up. And fellowship is serving Jesus with each other. Friends, one of the most dangerous lies that we can believe is we don't need Jesus, we don't need each other, we don't need the church, we don't need the body of Christ. The early church knew they needed each other and they lived their life in community, in fellowship, in the body of Christ. And friend, the reality is that if you cut off a part of the body, that part is going to die. And if we're Christians who think we can be disconnected from the body, we're going to shrivel up and die spiritually. Community. Oh, it's, that's God's plan for us. To be in a community. A community that celebrates with you all the good times and holds you up in all the bad ones because you're going to have both. A community that won't chase you away when you mess up, but they'll push you to get better. A community that encourages you not to give up because you're going to feel like it at times. And a community that loves you no matter what. Friend, that's the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of the church. And friend, you really can't get that if all you do is show up on a Sunday morning once a month or twice a month or whatever. That's that community. Community is in relationship. It's in fellowship. Oh, friend, I say this often. Please get in a community, a small group. Join a ministry team. It'll help you come alive because you were created for God and you were created for others relationship to come alive you need fellowship third you need stewardship what's stewardship god owns everything he created he's the owner all right god created god owns it all what's he do he loans it to us to use here while 
we're on this earth. He loans it to us so that we meet our needs, you know, for food and clothing, shelter and all those things. But he loans it to us so that we use it for his kingdom. And that's what verse 44 says. All the believers met together in one place. And what they do? They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who were in need. This wasn't communism. It was care. They cared. If somebody had a need, they tried to meet it. And if we've got a, if we want to come alive, <laughs> get generous. Get generous. You'll come alive. You know, people who hoard or selfish who keep for themselves, they shrivel up. If you want to come alive, get generous. Let your wallet get saved too. For everything in your life. Stewardship is managing God's money. A steward is someone who cares for what belongs to somebody else. Stewardship is managing God's money. God created everything. He gives it to us to enjoy. But one day, we're going to give it all back. When you go pick out a casket, you won't find one with pockets in it. Because you're going to give it all up. It's investing. It's managing God's money. It's investing. It's investing what really matters and what lasts forever. You know, I had these savings things and retirement accounts and stuff like that. You know, they're not going to last forever. Investing in what God, in God's kingdom will. Stewardship is inheriting, I like this, it's inheriting the riches that God gives to his children and those riches are going to last forever and they can never be taken away from you when you invest in the kingdom of God. Stewardship, you come alive. And last, to come alive, we need discipleship. What's discipleship? It's us following Jesus. It's us walking with Jesus every day. All right? Every day of our life is about us being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's us becoming more and more like Jesus. You see, no church is perfect. We'll, we'll mess up. We'll sin. We'll hurt. But, you know, it just grieves me so much when I hear about a church that says, you know, they just fight and conflict and they can't agree and they won't come together and, and all that. And someone has said, there are two reasons people haven't come to Christ. First one is, they don't know any Christians. The second one is, they do know some Christians. And see, friend, we are. We have sinful nature. We have a selfish nature, okay? But... Christ calls us to become like him. And when we do that, we come alive. Spiritually ourselves, but with others. Because it's no longer just about us. And discipleship is us leading others to Jesus. Because that's what verse 47 says. Every day the Lord added to their fellowship. Every day. There were new people who came into their fellowship who were being saved. When we love Jesus, when we're devoted to Jesus, when we're excited about Jesus, when we talk about Jesus, we won't be able to keep people away. Because there'll be joy. 
There'll be meaning. There'll be fulfillment. God's Word tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, let us stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together with the body of Christ. Because some people are in the habit of doing. But no, we need to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the day? The day Jesus comes back again. We're going to talk about that next week. You know Jesus coming back in? He said he would. He said he was going to rise, and he did. He said he's coming back again. He will. And that will be the climax of history. We need to do that. That day is approaching. And see, we do that together. We encourage each other. We build each other up. Christian, we need the church. We need community. And the reality is, you don't stumble into community. You just don't walk in and all of a sudden, oh, wow, and everybody embraces you, and all of a sudden you're all connected and everything's hunky-dory and wonderful because you're a Christian. No, you don't stumble into it. You commit to it. We have to break down some of the walls that hold us back from community. Do you know there, as wonderful as community is, there are some walls around it that scare a lot of us away. One is fear. We're afraid that others will find out who we are. We don't like who we are, and we're afraid they'll find out and they won't like us either. We're afraid they'll find out about something about our past. Hey, their their past is just as bad as yours. Fear. Vulnerability, that's scary. But once we experience that with a few close Christians, oh, we just come alive. Because we can be real. We don't have to hide anymore. We're real. We need community. Second biggest reason, I think fear is one. Second reason, we're too busy. We're too busy doing all the other stuff. We don't have time for the community that really matters. The body of Christ that's eternal. And I don't know what's keeping you from community, but I do know if you experience true community with God, fellowship with God and with each other, you will come alive. And when you do, you'll just, why did I wait? Why did I wait so long? So how do you experience community? How do you get into it? How do you grow in it? How do you experience it? One, you initiate. Did your parents ever say this to you? The best way to find a friend is to be a friend. If you sit back and wait, saying, okay, who's going to come to me and give me community? It'll never happen. Because you put up that wall. Initiate. Get in a small group. We have Sunday morning groups. We have home groups. We have ladies groups. We have men's groups. We have ministry teams. We have a softball team. We just have all kinds of stuff. All kinds of groups. Some of them are in the bulletin. We can't put them all in the bulletin, but some are on the website. We talk about them. 
you know, that's, that's the body of Christ. That's fellowship. Being, you know, it, when we come here together, we're really not fellowship because we don't get to talk with each other. We, we hear God's word. We worship and we hear God's word. Well, what about the fellowship? What about the community that we need to experience? Next week, uh, we want to talk about a new group uh, that we'd like to start. And this will, some of you will really like this one, Supper Clubs. All right? Yeah, seriously. And maybe you want to start a group. Maybe you want to start a bicycle group or you want to start a knitting group or whatever. Get in community with fellow Christians. Build each other up. I hope you get to come to baptism tonight. Oh, what a, w that's community. We're celebrating that people are taking that step. Uh, of uh, following Jesus, going public with that. And you saw uh, Ron and Kathy's uh, uh, story. You heard Ron and Kathy's story, and, and it was really something. When I was talking with them earlier, uh, I kind of said, well, why did you kind of start coming to church here? And they said, and uh, Kathy's in, in uh, retail. She's in customer service. She said, people are so hostile. People are so mean. She said, I wanted to come. I was hoping that I could find a church where people were nice to each other. Where people enjoyed each other. Where people were happy, where they had joy. And friend, that's what the body of Christ should be. It's a community. And God gave us that community so to, to build us up, to encourage us, to give us joy, to give us love. You all have to take the first step to find that kind of community. Initiate it. Second, you invite. Now, a lot of you are in a group, a small group, a ministry team, uh, you know, whatever, okay? Now, here's what can happen, happens a lot in Christian groups. We find a group of Christians. We really like them. It's so much fun to be with them. We have so much in common. We know each other's lives and stories, and we hang out. It's wonderful, and it's great. In fact, it's so great that we don't want anybody else to get in that group and spoil it. Ooh, there's a stranger over there. But, friend, if you have found benefit, don't you want to share that? If you found benefit in being in group, don't you want others to experience that too? If living in community has changed your life, shouldn't others have that opportunity too? Don't let your community become a clique. Invite others. When you see someone in church that's not a part of a community, help them. Invite them in. The Christian life is following Jesus. But it's following Jesus with other fellow Christians. And it's inviting others to join us. It's all those things. That's the life of following Jesus. It's growing as disciples ourselves, but it's growing with other disciples. And then it's going out to make disciples of others who need the Lord. One of our core values here at Alliance is found people, find people. If Jesus found us, Let's find others and invite them in to the community, the body of Christ, the family of God, 
for which Jesus Christ is coming back again one day soon. The church. It's not a building. It's not a stuffy service. It's loving God. It's loving others. It's doing the Jesus life together. It's the body of Christ. It's community. It's love and peace and joy in God's family. And we come alive. Shall we pray? God, you have so much that you want to give us. Too much for us to even understand. But I pray that when we come together, God, every time we come together, every time we're reading the Bible, every time we're praying, we'll discover a little more of all the great things that you have for us as people who are forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ and made members of the body of Christ. Lord, that's your promise. You say as many as receive Jesus, they receive the right to become children of God, heirs with Jesus Christ of all the riches of heaven forever and ever and ever. Lord, that's your promise. And we praise you. And God, we want to be the church. Not a church that's a fortress, that's a holy huddle, that's boring, that's stiff, that's not welcoming and open. We want to be the church. We want to be the body of Christ that is loving you and loving others and that's growing, that's following you every day, that has new life, that's come fully alive, that's, that's bringing others, giving others the opportunity to experience that as well. Lord, that's what we want to be. Help us, God. Help each one of us individually to be that kind of follower of Jesus. And then help us as a church to be that kind of church that's reaching out and giving all the riches of Jesus Christ to others, offering them so that they come to know you too. God, I praise you that Christianity is not some dead religion. It is a coming alive relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and our brothers and sisters in Christ, with whom we will be forever and ever. God, help us to come alive. Friend, while your head's bowed, your eyes are closed, the Lord Jesus died on the cross for you. He has a gift with your name on it. It's called eternal life. Life that starts now and life that extends forever and ever in the kingdom of God. And he paid for that gift with his own blood on the cross. And he's offering it to you. And I hope if you've never received it, you'll do so today. Father, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that you want us to come alive in you and live for you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.